welcome back immortal x friends we are back um with with a fun fun day i don't think riley and i have been this excited to record about some new books in a while um but i'm cody riley and uh welcome back uh riley how are you feeling today well i feel a little bit shit um to be honest with you yeah or a cold uh if you're listening to this i am very sorry if i sound a little disgusting uh i am at the end of what i think is fair to say the worst cold that i've had in at least five years really no, and you've had some pretty bad ones since i've known you no bout of strep throat which i get a lot or covid which i've had a couple times has been as bad as this <laughs> I this is just some random virus. I was tested for everything and it's just, you know, just a random yeah. thing. I it's really, I really do like the idea of us like going back through the tapes, you know, and this podcast is just an international sensation and we have live shows at cons and some fan out there makes a super cut of all the times you've said, I'm getting over something or I've been a little sick or my voice doesn't sound weird. And like our past several episodes. I know. Um, yeah. Dude, I I definitely am always sick. Like it really sucks. You've you've made me feel a lot better about my immune system. Um, I I definitely get more sick than my wife, and uh, she always her her big retort to that is she's like, "Well, you you were a weak baby, and I was a strong baby," and so I'm like, "Wow, okay." But I feel like you you especially. But here's my deal. I don't know if this is scientific or not. I, I definitely like, I blame it on your lovely, um, vocal cords and, and singers throat and lungs. I'm just like, to me, that has always logically made sense from like, wow, Riley has a really good singing voice. And is just, his, his voice is always working in different ways. That must be why he gets sick all the time. Well, I, I did have a doctor hypothesize once that <laughs> part of the reason that I get strep throat specifically so often is because I'm like, inhaling kids germs through my mouth and like not just yeah. kid germs kids that are like yelling notes at you right and like so like most them. of the time instead of getting sick because i touched something and then rubbed my eyes or something <laughs> that it's mostly because a sick kid is coughing and i suck it in it's like direct contact and like not even just like you know i get sick kids to cough on me all the time but there's still that layer of like i can close my mouth you're like huh? right yeah. as like remember to breathe now yep so uh, well know. i hope you feel better soon um but uh riley we were texting last night and we kind of said that yesterday was a really uh it was a really good day for marvel it was um, which is not a sentence that you and i have said on this podcast in a very long time yeah um well, things are hit and miss sometimes yeah you know, Things are hit and miss. Uh, we have we haven't been too hot on movies or shows or, or even on our comics as of late. Um, and so I think this this was a fun day where for me, um, I picked up three books yesterday. I picked up uh two of the ones that we're gonna talk about, uh, because we both read them. Uh Rise of the Powers of Ten, um, Ultimate Spider-Man number one. And I also picked up Wolverine number 41 by Benjamin Percy and Victor Laval, uh, which is the part one of the Sabretooth War. But also Marvel dropped all five of their uh, Echo episodes yesterday on Disney+. Plus, and I checked out the first one and got to say, I, I dug every Marvel thing that I inhaled like kid germs yesterday. 
I really like how you brought that back to my journey. Did you like that? I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to yeah. trying to show off some of my writing skills a little more on the pod. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. I think that you should talk about Wolverine. Like yeah. based on some of the the text messages that you sent yesterday, I want to know you're like unabashed, like all of yeah. that. You should just you should talk about Wolverine a little. So I'm bit. gonna I'm gonna go on that for a minute. Um, so spoiler alert for Wolverine X Force, uh, X Lives X Deaths of Wolverine, um, and just kind of the general works of Benjamin Percy that I am. Okay, I I just gonna start with this. So I did not buy the Wolverine book when it first came out, uh, and even like a lot of comic shops, like when it, it was like during basically during COVID, like right when shops were starting to come back a little bit, um, they were like, or maybe right before, I don't remember, but essentially there was a launch party for Wolverine. There was like a launch party at comic book shops and I was so on the Xbox and I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, I don't want to, I don't need a Wolverine book. Like Wolverine's showing up in X-Force. He's occasionally in the main X-Men title. And then a little thing called Ten of Swords was coming out. And I was like, ah, well... I, maybe I should read Wolverine. That's like the one book I'm not reading. Um, so then I started getting issues of Wolverine and I dug it so much. Um, those first several issues of Wolverine kind of on the hunt for like the the pale woman. And it looked like uh, X-Force kept killed. One second, Willow does not like Wolverine, my dog, um, <clears throat> because she relates our cat to it. Um, but I was so hot on those first issues and where, and there's even like a B story of Wolverine hunting vampires. And I'm like, this should not be for me, but this is one of my favorite reads. Um, and so it was, it was really weird liking a Wolverine book. And then he was a great character in 10 of swords. They did some fun stuff. And then a little book called um, uh, X lives and X deaths of Wolverine came out and it kind of soured me on the writer of the time um for some decisions that he made with um one of our favorite parts of house of powers moira and turning her into a robot and then also having some very just like kind of edgelord violence um that happened in the books that were you know wolverine and x-force were the the more violent of the books and like you've read those early parts as well like there's definitely like a different tone but i kind of liked having that flavor just like we've talked about early krakoa where it's like Excalibur was the magic book. Marauders was the pirate book. Like this was kind of the, it, like it fulfilled its promise of like the black ops CIA book. And I enjoyed that. And the early arc of like, oh my gosh, Colossus is a traitor. Beast is slowly descending into like a tyrant. <clears throat> really liked. Um, fell off of it. Um, Post Ten of Swords especially did not really like um, some of what was going on. Um, there was a few kind of like not misplaced arcs, but arcs that didn't really land for me that involved um, Deadpool and Danger and X-Force going after the the man with the peacock tattoo um, and just some different things. But then a few months ago, um, Benjamin Percy started cooking, man. And there was some very fun stuff with Beast just going full villain but in a way that Orcus wasn't in a way that still felt very rooted in protecting Krakoa and he 
<laughs> there's some of these things like i don't even know if you know this happened but basically he orchestrated the assassination of wolverine so that he could put wolverine in the pit and then brainwash him into basically like a feral wolverine to send him on assassination missions um while the rest of x-force had no idea he was there and it was bonkers and then uh beast made clones of himself it's, it's a whole it's a whole thing and i sound insane talking about it but when fall when when the hellfire gala happened basically colossus has been brainwashed this entire time and when the hellfire gala happened colossus and mikhail rasputin colossus and magic's evil reality manipulating brother who's controlling colossus through a russian writer who is writing it <laughs> so insane but it works really well basically they take x-force to russia and they are some of the mutants that were not impacted by xavier's call to get off and so while we've been frustrated with other fall of x books like x-force and wolverine were so fun to read each month because x-force was kind of the reveal of colossus to x-force um colossus basically taking the, his life in his own hands the final confrontation between him and his brother um and then wolverine teaming up with different heroes and it, it felt really good that brings us one other thing, one other thing. There have been two Sabretooth books that I have really enjoyed because they were so not what I expected. The first one is Sabretooth in the Pit, and it ends up being this entire kind of um, allegory and conversation about U.S. prison systems and what we use our prisoners for. And then the second book ends up being like, how can survivors cope? So I say all that because when I heard that there's going to be a quote-unquote Sabretooth war coming into X-Force, I'm like, oh, they're just joking because Sabretooth has had a lot of character growth in the pages of his own Sabretooth book. Like, I maybe he's going to be a secret ally to Krakoa. Um, he is not. Um, Sabretooth and multiversal versions of him show up and um, stab Quentin Quire through the throat. And then the other Sabretooths eat him. And then they find out through putting Quentin Quire's brain in a box, I think, where the mutants are hiding. And they go to this like Antarctica location to um to find Wolverine and the remaining mutants. And then uh Dakin, Akiro, Fang, Wolverine's son, is uh is waiting to celebrate his dad's birthday. And they finally bonded, and Fang has been found in the pages of X Factor, where he did a really good job, and then went to the pages of um, Orlando's Marauders, where it wasn't great, and then went to the <laughs> that I think he was in uh, Alpha Flight as well during Fall of X, only to end up in X Force, and it finally looked like Laura X twenty three or the Wolverine was there. Wolverine was there, Dukin was there. It was setting it up to be honestly like issue 40 ended with a very kind of cute like Wolverine family reunion. Only for Sabretooth and these multiversal Sabretooths to show up and um hack Dukin to pieces and arrange his body and another mutant's body they killed to say happy birthday to Logan. Um this is now what's going on in Wolverine for the next several issues. And there is a timeline at the end. I didn't tell you this yesterday where Percy's just committing the end of his book 
now doesn't have um, titles for all of the other X-Books that are coming out. It's just like, guess what's coming up in Wolverine? And oh, it's not, it's so dumb because it's literally, it's like, oh, find out how to read the Sabretooth War. It's just Wolverine titles. And, and up to issue 50, which is part 10. So I don't know if this is the subtle way of saying Wolverine's finally ending it. Issue 50 which is so absurd. That is such a high number for any of these Krakoa books. We talked about this last time where it's like Sword, X-Men Red, Immortal, like both X-Men titles like are not even getting close to 50 before getting canned. And uh, Percy's gotten to do 50 Wolverine books. And then I think think it might end up being about 60 or so X-Force books. And that's, that's what I got, Riley. Thank you for listening to me talk about this book. So will you be purchasing the omnibus when the 1600 page Wolverine one through 50 comes out? That'd be really dumb, right? That would be really, really stupid. Like that wouldn't be a good purchase on my X shelf. (laughs) No, it would not be a good purchase, especially because it would be over a hundred dollars or something for something that big. Yeah. You would buy it. You're right. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to call you like lame or something, but like, you can't see a nice Krakoa book and ignore it. That's not true. I I don't have I don't have the X Force books. I don't have the Excalibur books. You'll get them one day. I'm pretty sure you will. Before I die, that's happening. Um so yesterday, my end of this is I'm not reading Wolverine or X Force, <laughs> and honestly, I'm not even that interested in them. Are you not but... even tempted based on what I just told you? Not really. That's enough for me. Like, I'm sure that Ben Percy is a fun guy and a really lovely man, but like, homie just like loves his niche is like excessive violence and like gore porn. And it's, it's not for me. Like I, I'm cool without it. You know, it's, it's not like one of those things where I like clutch my pearls when I see too much violence, like invincible is one of my favorite things in the world. Right. And the, like the walking dead is such a great book. Like the violence isn't what turns me off. It's just, it doesn't feel needed most of the time. Yeah. It's just like, you put this in here to make me go, Oh, (laughs) and I think, and I think what's where I'm at with these books and especially with what Wolverine has become is it shifted from a book that I was like, Oh, this is really cool. This is really cool to like, to one where I'm like, what is going on to now one where it's like, like I literally turned pages and like, like, like snickered to myself out loud alone and like rolled my eyes and laughed. It was just like, no way no way in a way that like when i was in high school loved the first season of heroes and then would like hero season two was like what's going on here season three we had parties every week to like hate watch that show what and show heroes season three Oh, I didn't even watch that season. Exactly. exactly. Most did. Most did. But I feel like that's kind of where this is now, um, where I'm like, what? what is going on with this thing that was so like, I'll say it. Like, I think the first like several of Wolverine is like very well crafted comics. Like, I, I hope that I can get to a place where I'm able to to move in and out of some of those like character moments that way. Yeah. But I had yeah. a great time as we, you know, we'll move on to other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, 
yesterday while at work. I had a great time with these texts popping up. Text number one. Wolverine issue had the biggest gross out holy shit moment since Moira skinning Banshee. Text message number two. It is just so nasty and over the top. I cannot believe this was just on the shelves with a minor parental disclaimer. So People before are going you can... to be so mad. Parental advisory not for kids is just like down at the bottom. Like really, like before you get to that point, you see Fall of X, you see a cool cover of Wolverine and Sabretooth. Like if you're a parent and your kid picks this up and you're not doing your work, like you're missing that. You're not yeah. seeing that. Go on. What what happens next? No, it was just it was super funny. Super, super funny. Just unexpected. Did, did the know. images disappoint though? Like, like I was correct. I wasn't overstating it in my text. No, you weren't yeah. overstating it. You said it was quote invincible level, and yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Uh watching Quentin Choir get like torn to shreds with teeth is yeah, that's something special. Um I, to not to not just heart like this this was not so, I say this is like I really enjoyed reading this book. Um, there there's a lot of uh, Dakin fans out there, and uh, Dakin is um, he's I I don't think there's going to be a lot of people happy that he just got his body ripped to shreds, um, and arranged to say happy birthday. And God help Benjamin Percy if if something happens to Laura in the base like i just i'm and he'll it will be fine but it's just especially any deaths that happen right now during this fall of x era like seem very intentional because because resurrection's off the table for right now and so i think that's why seeing quentin choir get knifed again and realizing like he's not going to play until everything else we're about to talk about seeing that uh the kin might be out um like sage just got taken over by the quentin choir bomb dominant like there's just some things where i'm like okay like i it just it throws in some of the status quo of things to come if that makes sense of and, and, and it excites me in like a good way and there's a very intentional note at the beginning saying um where is it like this takes place after x factor 50 but before um fall and rise so that's just what's going on but yeah that's uh so this means this this happens wolverine has seen his son die um uh, before what we're about to talk about yeah yeah so and possibly a bunch of other people who we haven't seen yet are also ch chopped to pieces by by hungry saber teeth saber teeth yeah you like that i'm I'm, like I'm, that. I'm, I'm, I'm on it today man you've um, got a couple of zingers today yeah. i'll give you that yeah um so that is that is my first book that i read um do you want to start with do you want to stay in x world or do you want to jump to uh let's stay in x world because okay, i feel like we're going to talk about ultimate spider-man a little longer i think so too so um we talked about the first part in the series on our last episode uh fall of the house of x number one uh by duggan and uh wernick and now we get to talk about its companion piece, uh, the issue that it will be alternating with, uh, which is Rise of the Powers of Ten, number one, uh, by Gillen and Silva. Um, this book, following in the steps of uh, the original Powers of Ten, is set in a uh, future 
uh, about a decade uh, from where we currently are, um, and then has some infographic reveals that show that this is one of several timelines, um, and we have already seen one of the other timelines in in a previous book, and essentially mutants fighting for survival, um, machine kind fighting for their ascendance, and then kind of um, post-humans uh, trying to survive. Uh, Riley, what did you think of this book? Well, I think first, um, it's probably important for us to say that while we were excited for uh, Fall of the House of X to come out, we weren't super hyped up on that book. Uh, it was okay. It wasn't, it, it kind of just didn't do a whole lot for either of us. I think it's yeah. fair to say it wasn't very exciting. And it also wasn't the worst book we've ever read. Um, so we didn't go into Rise of the Powers of X feeling, you know, I think we were a little bit more hesitant than, you know, we would have liked to have been. Uh, and I'm super happy to be wrong. Like, we yeah. love this book, man. Like, it was fun. It, it's really, um, the callbacks to powers of X are yeah. really cool. The vibe is very similar. Yeah. It kind of gives the same, the same flavor, which I think is cool. And on that note, Kieran Gillen puts out a newsletter. I don't know if that's weekly or biweekly or whatever, but a line from his newsletter, uh, after reading the issue, I, I searched it out to just kind of see what he yeah. had to say. Um, and one of the lines kind of pinged through my brain as we were uh, beginning to to talk through this. Um, he says, I've tried to give this story enough of the same flavor to justify reprising the name of the original while also letting this carve out its own space, right? And I think that's one of the things that lasts for me uh, as I, you know, I read through this issue twice yesterday on first read kind of take in a couple of things the way that the original powers of x is and then when you reread you kind of take in more um and that's kind of what stuck with me that the the flavor is very similar um a lot of the beats kind of feel like echoes of yeah. the original which is very cool <laughs> a lot of the sacrificial stuff comes to mind uh, especially when you think about the that team that existed uh in those powers of x issues um Rasputin being the only one that's kind of come from those issues and stayed yeah. around um yeah this is very very cool lots of cool setups and uh laying down a bunch of threads that could be pulled um I did see uh we're in full spoiler territory now by the way if you were totally, yeah yeah we're, we're going over if you listen to that Wolverine rant and we're like oh they're not going to spoil things like like what are you yeah. doing like you need to you need to check yourself um but um i've seen a few people online talk about the last couple of pages uh with a basically remarks like wow this issue was awesome but it was totally soured by the last two pages you know oh, and yeah. like my response to that is like if you think that in <laughs> yeah. the first issue of this of this ending they're gonna just like drop what they're gonna do you know, and just reveal it in the last two pages of the first issue, you are out of your mind. 
like um, have you read comic books before um that's yeah. like, like like remember in judgment day when they were like oh yeah we're just gonna break in and kill the celestial god like like that was yeah. our plan it's whenever i see stuff like that online it's just like well this is well we figured it out this is how they're rebooting it i'm like come on like like why would we <laughs> no and i just it's what cracks me up is it's the same type of people who are also like you know, heralding like Gillen every week until something like this happens. And then it's like, what do you do? Like, what are you doing? And so I, I am very glad that both you and I, I think are on the other end of like the fact that that is already being teased as like a potential um, makes me excited for what is actually going to happen because I feel like we don't know. Um, what I also like is basically to put it in context, like most of this book takes place in this, this far future where um, Omega Sentinel and Nimrod in the first direct reference of Omega Sentinel's lineage since Inferno basically saying I was sent back by the trickster Dominion to make sure we make it um, they're, they're waiting for a Dominion to happen and then um, Dr. Stasis basically realizing the machines are turning on them and teamed up with the children of the vault fire basically their own human dominion killer which i also thought was such a sick line where it's like like the machines created god like well what's more human than killing god um and they fire this this dominion killer um wolverine then basically portals in and then kills dr stasis in an echo to him killing moira multiple times in powers of 10 and that seals this timeline and the big reveal at the end is not just the reveal that you were talking about which is but basically xavier and cypher out of the pit and rasputin and a few others that we don't know who's playing with them yet are basically inside moira's no place outside of the view of the dominion trying to stop this from ever happening and so it looks like in order to do that they have to go back to Moira's first life and kill a baby before she gets her mutant powers. Um, what is so fun about this conceit is that basically it, it showed that Rise is happening at the exact same time of fall. Like, and I did not expect that. I, I definitely expected yeah. some alt, alt future stuff. And so I think the fact that this obviously explains where Rasputin went, but Xavier's like, it just, it was such a fun, like add on to that book in a way where, Oh, both of these stories, like they are, they're happening at the same time in a way that powers wasn't necessarily the original. one. Sure. So, yeah. So I, I thought that was fun. Um, I liked how it, it added a few layers to what was going on in Immortal. It made Immortal seem like very essential reading, especially the past few with what's going on in the White Hot Room. Um, it really makes me interested to see how X-Men Forever is going to tie in um, because this is so like, like Gillen's, Gillen's, Gillen's at the top of the game um, with some of this stuff. And so it, I'm curious to see like what more could be said about what's going on besides touching on the rest of like the main cast that's lost in, in that book. But um, 
Yeah, I thought it was. So I want to pick on pick up on something that you said a minute ago, and it is like about Wolverine. Yeah, uh, it makes um, the last few issue issues of Immortal X Men feel like essential reading. Yeah, Um, I agree with that, and I think what is interesting about that is that over the last like three months, you and I have constantly been like, "Why the hell are we reading this?" This feels like nothing. It feels like a whole bunch of just filler crap while we wait for House and Powers to come out, right? While we wait for the next event, we are kind of having to just pick through these crappy, like, whatever, these don't mean anything sort of meandering books. And so for this to make the last few issues of Immortal feel more important, you know, that's something that I'm really glad to feel now, right? Um. Do you feel like the same will be said with, sorry to like, do you feel like the same might be said now? Does it make you more excited for Resurrection of Magneto with Um, with what's happened with X-Men Red? Like, do do you feel like there might be a similar companion? Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, on one hand, you could argue that it's kind of a shame that as the books come out, they're just okay. And then they need to retroactively be made cool or something. You know, I guess there's an argument to be made that that's sort of a shame, but like, yeah, like I'll even take this a step further for you. And this is the thing I was talking about last night or referencing that I'm going to say something that might shock you a little bit. I'm on record for being like sins of sinister was a waste of time. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Let me make sure. Can you, can you keep going? Keep going. If Gillen sticks the landing, <laughs> I think it will retroactively make Sins of Sinister feel like essential reading to me. Whereas right now, Sins of Sinister exists as like a, a what if, where that's fine for yeah. some people. But for me, I'm like, this is, this doesn't matter. This means nothing. You know, it, it's like, it's not consequential to anything that's going on in the books that I care about. It's like a detour and I have to just like wait for three months for this to be over. And so if Gillen is able to take rise of the powers of X and stick this landing and make all of this feel really important, I will be not only interested, but excited to reread Sins of Sinister with a new understanding on what he's been playing at this whole time. Yeah. So I I went through and I, I flipped through Sins of Sinister yesterday um, just because you I wanted to after reading this and choosing to make that we basically we get we get an infographic at the end that is like that is so dense with with so many things and i think i spent probably about 10 to 15 minutes just like looking at that and then flipping and realizing and essentially making a timeline for each of like the four sinisters and so i i i think it will be i think this i think sense of sinister will end up feeling much more like a not comparing them in like in scope or in scale or in what they did but kind of in like a uh a second half of Krakoa era, like Ten of Swords in some way where it's like, it's weird, it's unique, but also like you should read this um, to see what happens. And um, I, yeah, I, I hope, I hope Gillen sticks it. 
um on that same issue what you just said like i think this is part of the difficulty of buying books monthly yeah is that we and the way that things are written down especially with writers like gillen and ewing in particular like and and hickman like the our three that we probably like the most like they write serialized like they are not writing one-off issues and occasionally they do and i think when they are at their best moments where you and i have like stopped everything to like rave about something is when it has those like climactic moments of a story or are so good but it's like often that is that's like every like issue four issue eight issue 12 because that's how stories work like you know and that's where it's like it has those rides and so it's like those ones are going to be your bangers but like gillen's work collectively time and time again for me like i i don't know if i like i first started reading i came off of um the original young avengers reading uh young avengers children's crusade and then picked up the first few issues of gillen's young avengers and i was like what is like this is not for me like what is happening like this is small this is not there that is now a trade that i absolutely love because you do not see what gillen is doing until the end same with uh gillen's creator and work wicked and divine or um die both of those two like issue by issue or even like trade by trade it's it's hard but once it's all there it's like this is cool and so i think i didn't want to make that same mistake with the mortal or sends or even rise and so seeing it now all start to come together while still and this is what i texted you about last night where it's like i feel like gillen gillen is tying all of gillen's stuff together while also still being a true sequel to everything that hickman set up while Duggan's book is being a sequel to Duggan's stuff that he set up with occasional references to what Hickman did, but in like a failed comparison, which we shouldn't compare them, but at the same time, like, you know, Duggan took over the line versus Gillen is like, Gillen is, Gillen is going to be the true ending to the Hawks pox stuff is what it feels like while Duggan is going to be the true status quo resetter in some way. I guess that, that is, that is my take on these two books right now. One is the, yeah. That's how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, That's how it feels for sure. I think the, um, the general consensus in which you and I might share a little bit, maybe not as ferociously as some people online is that Gillen is obviously by his own admission, understanding that his series has to has to deserve being an homage title to the original powers of x like if they're named after if this one's named after the original it has to be deserving of the title right and i think the the interesting thing is going to be looking to see if fall of the house of x is going to be deserving of being renamed after the original you know, like, is it going to pay off as well as we need it to? Because this era has been beloved by so many people. Yeah. The prospect of returning to the mansion is a huge turnoff for a lot of people, myself included. So if this is the end, 
Duggan has to stick the landing with everything that he's set up with his X-Men run and with all of the things that he's been up to. Um, the Hellfire Gala issues, you know, he is kind of the mastermind of this whole last phase. So he needs to stick the landing. And does it ultimately deserve the recognition of being named after the original, which is pretty universally loved? Yeah. So I don't know. I I do think I guess this can be our final note on this, because I know we'll talk about these for a while. Um is all that aside, like this is the end of an era, and I think that's hard in the same like impossible way that um Rise of Skywalker had to not only like land the very complicated um sequel trilogy ship, but also be like, we're the end of a saga. And it's like, why did you do that to yourselves? Like, what do you like? That's this is kind of that same thing where if this was just the end of Duggan's x-men run and we knew it was getting handed off but the fact that they're making such a big like end of an era baby like that's why it's it's i think under like such a critical look if this was just happening in a duggan issue cyclops was on trial about to be murdered and the team was getting back together like you and i would be having a very different talk like if this was just the next arc i think the fact that it is trying to be star wars episode nine the final chapter is like what's making it also feel lesser than the original text that's beloved you know it strikes me as like a almost a, a missed opportunity that stasis should have shot juggernaut at the dominion like that would have been a really fun callback you know what i mean uh I like if they so had much. broken him out and whatever like if stasis had juggernaut had been saving juggernaut to launch as a bullet at the god dominion that had been so sick yeah that would have been a pretty fun callback to that first sense of sinister issue um i know i said that was the last thing but my last last thing is like i'm very excited to go back and reread even gillen's uncanny stuff from from years ago because that's when sinister really started becoming the player that he is now um and i'm just i'm I'm curious to see what seeds were planted back then in a way like doesn't matter like obviously we've talked about hope like gillen's hope gillen's emma um but i'm really curious what gillen's sinister and the essex clan looks like back then compared to what has happened because essentially like gillen and duggan and spurrier have done to now the sinister legacy what jeff johns did with the green lantern core which was like guess what there's also blue lanterns there's also yet like like it, it's become it has become this and i know you're tired of it and i know and i it sounds like you have a bit of a renewed energy for following this through but it's like the fact that it he has just become such this it just like it makes me want to reread uncanny but also hellions and just see like what what is going on what happened yeah so that's that's all we could talk about ais and dominions and and all of that forever but um i think there's another book that we'd want to talk about any closing thoughts from you on this uh yeah just one uh, before we leave the world of x for a second um i want to shout out one of my students actually uh her name is josie shout out josie hi She's josie not listening to this, but shout out josie yesterday 
I am reading Rise of the Powers of X as I'm walking through uh, a rehearsal. And she walks Love up. It. You're such a good educator. Yeah. And well, we're there on a break. Uh-huh. And uh, she was like, is that one of those Krakoa books? And I was like, hey, yeah, it is. Like, do you know about these? And she's like, yeah, I have most of them. My dad reads them. And I was like, really? So like, what are some of your favorites? And she's like, you know, because at this point I'm like, uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, if I, I don't like, know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy that, you know. She's like, the one that I really liked the most recently was a I think it was called Legion of X. And I was like, no freaking way you like, know. You do like, know what this is. You know, it's like, wow. You know, so, so round of applause. I will applause. say, and I'm very curious if Josie is the, you know, child. Is on. I met someone at one of the stores. Like, this was about two years ago now. This is when um, Hellions was still coming out. And there was a week when, basically about two weeks, Marvel printing, like, seriously messed up. And so, like, the issues of... It was like Hellions didn't come in, X-Force didn't come in, um, Excalibur, you know, back then, like those issues didn't come. And so I met a guy and we were talking and he was saying how he's like, yeah, I love I love getting these books. And this Krakoa era has been so fun because I go home and I like I read them to my kids like before they go to bed. Like, that's what we do. That's what we bond. And so he's like and it was during the Hellions run where um, the like homicidal like robot baby got taken and so i just remember being in the parking lot i'm like yeah man and i never expected to feel like feel the way i do about hellions and he's like i know i want to know what happens to the baby and it was just like it's such a perfect (laughs) like x moment but i'm like riley that those will be our kids who will talk to their choir teacher be like is that a is that a is that a return is that a the mansion's burning down book yeah be like i've been waiting for this since 2024 (laughs) oh man um that's that's really cool i'm i'm excited to hear that uh i i didn't tell you this because we weren't really potting at the time but marvel snap the phone game that i play that has collectible cards uh last month was their their hellfire gala event and so a lot of the cool like alt covers um that dotterman did uh, of all of the characters like not just um the x-men but but you know she hulk and captain marvel and dr doom and all of them like those cards were the, the like releases for the month um and so that was pretty fun to just see that events happening and they added a few locations to the game um and they released uh a few new x-men characters they released sebastian shaw as a card which is very fun to play um but then they also released a card for the blob and what the blob's power is is when you play him, he um he eats the rest of your deck, and like gets wow. all, all of that power. And so like you'll think you're winning a game, and then someone plays a blob card, and then you'll just see him go from like four power to like like thirty four, and it's like, well, thanks, blob. Love that. That's fun. Um, Riley, you want to talk about? okay so here's the deal i don't know if i want to say this is my favorite book because the more we talk about rot pox i love it but this book was awesome oh this is so awesome this book was so awesome so the next book that we're going to talk about riley i I set up the last ones you want to talk about this book you want to set it up for us ultimate spider-man issue number one dude 
we have been hyped up for this book for like a year. Yeah. It's something like that. Like Hickman was like, yeah, I'm writing gods. And then I'm also writing something else for Marvel. And I'm really excited because it's a book that I never thought I would write. And so you and I, our little braids went to work and we were like, wait, what could he possibly be writing that yeah. he never thought he would write? The dude has tackled <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D., Secret Warriors, the Fantastic Four, the entire Avengers. He ended two universes, you know, like, what is this dude talking about, you know? And one of our guesses, there weren't very many that we had, but one of our guesses was like, I wonder if this dude is going to write like a Spider-Man book. You know, and sure enough, here it is. And this book is awesome. So uh, sold out like everywhere, by yeah. the way. Our entire city was sold out by like noon yesterday. That's crazy. That's so crazy. I'm I'm um, super glad I went when I did and just like got the extra copies that I did. Yeah, I, I imagine that like it's not a bad thing, but I imagine that many people did what you did. And took oh, there was so many. There was there was people. I'm pretty. I saw a few guys that had one of every variant. But I was telling this to Leslie yesterday. What was super cool was even I was talking to Roman. Shout out to Roman at Legends. And like, um, the store was packed when I got there at eleven, and packed with people that don't usually come in at eleven on a Wednesday to get comics. And there was it looked like there was a few like, um mothers and sons either still on break or like a kid coming back from the dentist like going up and just like the kid knew ultimate spider-man one was coming out and i i hope that kid enjoyed what he read um but but there was so many and the covers were so fun and like you know i got three different covers um because i got one and then i planned yeah fortunately you got one of my my books um because you couldn't find it and then I got yeah. another one for for Ethan, our intern. This is our test to see if you're still listening to these episodes, Ethan. We have an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man for you. If someone listens to this before Ethan does, uh, we'll give you a prize. Issue like 27 is going to be out by the time he's like, oh, dude. Is there a new Spider-Man book? Yeah, I heard about that on your podcast. Uh... <laughs> um, but it was it was such a fun energy of of just like the store going through and so yeah i i feel like this book i'm curious to see the numbers on it because i feel like we are probably not the only town where this sold out in i imagine they're gonna have to be numerous reprints of this thing or yeah, like yeah. comic shops are gonna have to scramble to restock um essentially 20 years ago peter parker was not bitten by the radioactive spider because the maker took it the maker and we we or, saw that back in like when was that was that ultimate invasion april june like one i think yeah. back yeah. in like yeah probably yeah, it was the first like april or may something like that first issue of ultimate invasion we were like this is cool this is different little did we know what that was going to turn into yeah um so the maker our favorite bad boy comes to this new universe and he stops all heroes from coming into being one way or another he stops origin stories from happening he stops captain america from being discovered whatever it might be he intervenes so that he can use this new ultimate universe as his own experiment so that he can basically be god he can do whatever he wants with no people getting in his way it's a giant experiment for the maker so 
through events that have happened in five issues. If you don't know what's going on at all, you only have five issues out there that you would need to check out, right? Um, it's not like you've missed a ton of things. There are four issues of Ultimate Invasion and then a one-shot also written by Jonathan Hickman. Everything in the Ultimate Universe thus far has been written by Jonathan Hickman. Um, the Ultimate Universe one-shot kind of sets up that um, Dr. Doom is also Reed Richards. This universe is Reed Richards, who has kind of been like enslaved by the maker. Like man in he the is iron now mask. Free. Yeah, he is now free and working with Tony Stark, who is Iron Lad in this universe. And together they free Thor and come across a giant repository of like um, trinkets of um, things that the maker has stolen in his endeavor to stop heroes from coming into being. So they are able to steal some of those out of the city, uh, which is currently located in Latveria of all places. Uh, and basically we are left with Peter Parker 20 years ago did not get bitten by the radioactive spider because the maker stopped it from happening. And in the ultimate universe one shot, we end with, them discovering a test tube with the spider inside and so we're not exactly sure what's going to happen next with that and yesterday ultimate spider-man issue number one came out in stores so there's one piece that you did not mention yet which is um and this is just so perfect for me to get to mention while you did all of that setup there's a secret cabal of government people all over the world put in power by the maker and one of those people was uh, Obadiah Stane and supposed to be Howard Stark. And when young Tony Stark rebelled against them in order to retaliate, they hacked into a Stark laser and blasted away a large chunk of New York. And in the process, that laser killed Norman Osborn and Mae Parker, along with like thousands of other people. So now Tony Stark and his crew of superheroes are are branded as terrorists. And um, this issue opens up now with an adult, Peter Parker, married to Mary Jane. They have two beautiful, quirky children. And it looks like they have some interesting decisions to make on the day of the memorial of this event. This is kind of the setup for what we get here. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat... It's it's obvious from the very first page of this issue that this is going to be completely different from everything that's happening in the other uh, in the other universe. Anything that we've ever known about Spider-Man. Spider-Man is not a teenager. Peter Parker is a middle aged man with two kids. One of them looks to be around 12 or 13 years old. The younger one's probably seven or eight, something like that. And he is living a life of a reporter working at the daily bugle but he's married he has his children so this is obviously super different than anything that we've known with the origin story his teenage years on a field trip gets bitten all that stuff so this is like a huge departure which is very very fun and i think a premise that a lot of spider-man fans are really excited for right now 
I think so. I think part of the, and this has been talked about in length and in much better ways than I'm about to do, but it's like one of the challenges of comics and especially the Peter Parker and Spider-Man character is like, that is such an, he's looked at as an evergreen brand in the same way as um, Mickey Mouse or Bart Simpson or the Peanuts crew where he cannot grow up past what is deemed acceptable by, by, you know, whoever the powers of marketability that be. And so there was a very controversial storyline that we've talked about briefly on here before where um, Peter Parker's marriage to Mary Jane Watson and literally the potential of them having kids and continuing to grow up got snapped away. Um, and so this issue opens up extremely intentionally, I think, with the first words being, Peter Parker, you are not getting any younger and then a shot of him putting on a wedding ring. Like, just just truly basically being like, this is what we're doing. Like, this is the book that we are. Um, and so I, I agree. I feel like there's been a lot of want for this, especially in the wake of, you know, and I think I think the much loved by a lot of people, like the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, or even the, you know, really across the Spider-Verse, I think showed us, hey, like we have Miles now. Like Miles can be this younger Spider-Man. Like the Peter Parker stories can continue to deal with stuff like Peter B. Parker is. And like you're you're tackling both audiences at once. And so um did think that that was yeah, extremely cool. Um I think that, so. That, and that especially the like the idea that like people that love Spider-Man, there's so many different avenues for you to love Spider-Man. You know, there are yeah. games and movies and all this stuff, but the one thing that's pretty consistent throughout is that Spider-Man is always a teenager. Yeah. And for a lot of people, ourselves included, like we're getting older and it's harder to relate to stuff. You know, it's, if you want to read really great stories about teenage spider-man you can always return to brian michael bendis's ultimate spider-man run you know but like as you get older it's more difficult to relate to any of that stuff like it's still really fun and nostalgic and all that but like that life is not the life we lead anymore you yeah. know and so there's something extra special about seeing a married older peter with a beard and kids like that looks like me, you know, or that's that's closer to my life than being 13 and having a bunch of hormones and the, the pretty girls in my class. And like that just that's not our lives anymore. Yeah. So it's it's this is really a fun thing, I think. I, I think so, too. I think it's cool. I think it's such a different stamp um, on on the character and like intentionally so. Um, and what I do love about this and that we talked briefly is like um, spoiler alert. A lot of this issue is a lot of talking, but it's done so well. It's, it's awesome dialogue. Um, Riley's like falling asleep thinking about it in the back. Um, but it is, it is such a cool book where uh, essentially to set it up, we see Peter talk with his family. It looks like he's carrying around an orb. Um, he goes to work uh, still at the daily bugle, and we hear uh, J. Jonah Jameson yelling, Parker! And we think that he's going to, you know, chew out Peter just like he always does. Uh, but instead, he goes to the editor's office. And the editor of the Daily Bugle, uh, co-editor along with J. Jonah Jameson, is Ben Parker. Um, 
Uncle Ben is alive and well in this universe and has maybe a slightly not estranged relationship with Peter, um, but a very different one than we're used to seeing. Um, and Jay Jenna Jameson and Ben Parker are two aging uh, journalists trying to do the right thing in a world that keeps changing around them. Turning and... the page and seeing Ben Parker, I my jaw actually dropped open. I was like, no way. And I am so glad that that got to be Riley's reaction. That was my reaction as well. Um, but I also read it at like noon. Um, and Riley didn't get to read it till that evening. And Marvel, what are you doing? Your Instagram account posted a picture of this at like 3 p.m. That that was pretty absurd um, to see. That 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 seemed like enough of a big surprise, enough of like a gasp moment. And to see like the statute of limitations like only went to 3 p.m. on before them posting, like probably one of the bigger spoiler spoilers of the book was was pretty rough. Yeah, the West Coast was still at work for another two hours. Yeah. Um, Ben and Peter go uh, to the memorial. And when they are there, there is a, you know, really good-looking uh, good priest up on stage. Um, and then we get to slowly see that this blind priest uh, is none other than Father Murdoch. Um, and it took me a moment to be like, oh, cool, like, daredevil's gonna be a pre and like, then i you know got smart and i was like no daredevil doesn't exist like he's another one who is stopped from becoming this and so i thought that was extremely cool to see um just just another person kind of robbed but um the spoiler alert for the over 10 year old show lost but um essentially like the final season of lost does something really cool where essentially there is a um you see what happens if the characters didn't crash on the island and there are a lot of alternate versions of them it's a very like um uh, house of m type of scenario and this this kind of reminds me of that and i feel like a lot of this new ultimate universe is going to feel like that like we're going to start to see these different versions of characters and what their lives could have been with intervention. Um, yeah. So I don't Something know that I don't know. I don't know if this was like an intentional um, plot point or if it's just Peter himself, but something that I kind of picked up on in the issue is that, uh, you know, a, a thread in this issue is that Peter isn't satisfied with his life. He feels like something's not quite right. He never became what he was supposed to be. He just doesn't know what that is, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, we could read that in two ways, I suppose. We could read that, you know, and I kind of like both avenues. One is that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It doesn't matter what age he is or where he is or whatever, that Peter Parker is a hero, right and he is spider-man it's like his core being right yeah. he doesn't just kind of become him at a certain point um another another thought that kind of helps with that thought is there is no death of ben or specific like may died in my arms and because of that i'm now fighting for the good of the people around me or whatever like the origin story is super different, right? So 
you could argue then that the origin story is not the reason or like the the death of Ben Parker, for instance, is not the reason he becomes Spider-Man. The Hugh Spider-Man already, that's just part of who he is, you know, yeah. and just kind of a, a crux in his story. Um, that's one thought. Another thought is that he has the itch and every person who whose life was changed in this universe, whose destiny was altered to not become a hero there's something that's not right with the universe and they feel an itch in the back of their mind that something is just not the way that it should be. The universe is wrong. It it kind of reminds me of Westworld a little bit, you know, the second season, like something is wrong with this world, you know, and I need to discover what it is. So I wonder if moving forward, we'll see characters like father Murdoch having a discussion with someone saying like, I've always wondered if I was supposed to be something else, if if part of me is not what it's supposed to be. You know, I wonder if that's going to become part of this whole overall narrative or if that's just kind of, you know, what it seemed like in this issue. My my guess is that's going to be a theme overall. Um, I feel like this Ultimate Universe, the whole premise behind it is that an outside force tried to play god with all of these people's lives and they're all being operated by a secret cabal that thinks they know better of how they should live their lives like that to me is like that's what's baked into the premise and that's why ultimate invasion had four issues of setting up like bad men thinking they know what's right and then even you know a very distant future of iron lad eventually becoming Hang the conqueror saying the same thing and so to me that um that thought of what are you meant to be who are you going to become is is like is truly baked into it um in a way that i think is very cool so i i definitely think that that is intentional but i also want to comment sci-fi shenanigans aside like it's also extremely human like you know i'm you you turned 30 this year right riley turns 30 this year i've i've been in my 30s for a few years and it's just um this is a very real feeling this is a very real feeling to have a conversation about that with your wife like i i know like not to get too pert like we've had this talk you know and she's she's had that same talk too as as we've switched careers as we've talked about what's next and there's a really beautiful moment where essentially Peter is trying to decide if he's going to do this. He has a message from uh, Tony Stark saying, you were robbed of this. This is you're supposed to be. I'm hoping that you will join me as a, as a superhuman. Um, And he talks to, he talks to Mary Jane about it. He talks about it with his wife and she literally asks him, she's like, will this change anything between us? If not, go for it become you're supposed to be and it was it was cool it was it was a moment where like you know i i feel very blessed and having a partner that that you know is willing to go to bat for me in the same way and i you know i hope to say like i can do the same for her but it's like you know all the sci-fi aside i think something why this issue and it seems the reaction online has been very positive um to issue one is like this is very aspirational and and attainable like on a human level like part of what makes Peter Parker and Spider-Man so great is like it is someone to strive to be not because he's strong not because he's fast but because even when it is hard like 
you're still learning to do the right thing. Um, and so it's just like, I feel like this book captured that essence in the same way that, um, that some really solid Spider-Man stories do. But like you said, without the tragedy of Uncle Ben, and there's a tragedy of May Parker that's involved in here, but it's like, that's not necessarily the trigger point for him to do this, which I think is very interesting. You let me borrow volume one of Wade's Daredevil. And the part where I am on right now is essentially uh, Daredevil is having a conversation with a woman who has teamed up with Punisher because her family has died and she's about ready to kill um, this this evil guy. And Daredevil's like, no, like we don't do that. We don't cross that line. And she tries to argue like, oh, like you lost someone. I lost someone like we know better than everyone. Like, like we're entitled to this and Daredevil fires back where he's like, how dare you? Like, how dare you say that because we lost someone like that has any more to do with like us doing the right thing than a firefighter who rushes in every day just because it's the right thing to do. And I feel like this is kind of echoing that same thing where it's like Peter Parker is still someone who wants to do the right thing, even without the loss of Uncle Ben. That was a long way to get there. Sorry. But yeah. No, like I agree. Um, yeah, it was really special to see, like, you know, he's going through all of these feelings and, you know, how do I how do I move forward and become something that I'm supposed to be? And as he, he makes his decision, he thinks of the people in his life, like basically saying, like, we, you know, we support you and we love you in it. You know, he's got Uncle Ben, he's got Mary Jane telling him, like, make the change, you know, wake up in the case of Uncle Ben. If you're if you're sleepwalking through your life, then wake up, that kind of thing. Like make the decision. And you get his words is I want this, you know, and it's just really if this is this universe's origin story, I am so, so happy and excited that it is so different than what we know. Yeah. But it also is different in a way that feels so like good. It feels so right, and I don't know. Yeah, it just it's 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 a special issue. I think I grinned many times. The last page is a delight to to turn the page and see the last panel is a delight in this issue. It's it's an extremely special book. I think it is such a tight story. It echoes. Um the the first issue of ultimate spider-man by bendis which also started that ultimate universe um you don't see spider-man in that first issue either like you it ends with peter on the wall for the first time and it has a lot of just very human conversations very teen conversations or very like you know parent and child conversations and so this this seems so deliberate of a callback to that in in such a such a cool way um to yeah so i just i think this is one of the there's there's been a few times where like even if it's been separated by many books like there has been kind of a legacy handoff between bendis and hickman like like bendis wrote avengers which we love and then hickman wrote avengers which we love but with something completely different I love Bendis's X-Men and then Hickman's came after. And now like getting to see it happen again with Ultimate Spider-Man is just very cool. Um, 
in a way where it definitely it bridges those two eras like personally in my own life too like when i first read ultimate spider-man i wasn't in high school but i was in you know late college still feeling very young and trying to figure things out and now i'm reading this work by someone i think whose work is really connected with both you and i on like an intellectual level of like thinking of these worlds but reading something so personal from that same mind um coming off of god's one that also felt like extremely personal um it's been it's been a very like human experience um to to get to read these books yeah i think so um also kingpin looks great in the, he does. In the one panel that we see um there's there's some fun variations i feel like this is i'm i'm excited for what comes next in a way where i yeah. didn't, didn't even realize it's like I didn't even realize what next could look like, um, but it looks even better than what I had anticipated. Yeah, I want to take a second and just shout out Marco Cicchetto's art. Gosh, yeah. It's it's great. It's perfect for this book. I really love it. Um, I have not experienced his art before as I have not taken on Zadarsky's Daredevil yet, but... Doesn't this, this make is, you want to? <laughs> it, like, it does. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I love Daredevil as a character, yeah. so I have kind of had that on my list for a while now. But yeah, this art is lovely. Um, it feels very adult while still being very fun. Um, the Goblin's design choice is very cool. We have a couple of pages in which we see a Goblin um and the design is super different very yep. very cool there's like an armor aspect to it this time um yeah it's it's great really love it and just another you know another callback like ultimate spider-man's first arc was the goblin and we're now starting with that again too there's just there's some really cool things happening um that are in conversation with the original text i think in the same way where it's like we're seeing hickman now do that with someone else's work in the same way that you know, Gillen is doing that with Hickman's, like, you know, to tie it all back together. We're seeing some, you're going to like this, we're seeing some echoes of people's work. You get it? Yeah, I get it. The <laughs> other ones earlier were a little stronger, I think, but I, think so too. I admire you shooting for the moon, though. I, I appreciate it. Um, we will definitely talk more about Ultimate Spider-Man. I actually, I think this is a book kind of like we did with Hawksbox last year where I like, I want to have a few guests um, who who will come on and talk about this with us. Um, I'm just, I'm really curious. I'm really curious to see if this lands as as much as it did for us. So that might be honestly a few like mini episodes of us either talking with other people or different people just like versus a round table. But I think that would be really cool to to try to get a few more thoughts on this book. I think so. I think this is a very digestible book. Um, it's yeah. it's pretty universal. I think a lot of people could get some enjoyment out of this, even if they're not necessarily um, often comic readers. Yeah. The The final thing that I just want to talk about, and I'm not going to, you haven't watched it yet, right? Um, so last, yesterday, um, Disney Plus dropped all five episodes of Echo. Um, I am saying all of this is my review after only watching the first episode, so I have no idea if this will change or not. But um, the first episode of Echo was extremely cool. Um, it did a very good job of telling a tight and succinct 
origin story. It did a great job of referencing what it needed to from the Hawkeye show. Um, it has a few, like, for me, jaw-dropping. Like, I think I literally said, no shit, like, out loud when it happened. Um, moments. And um, not a spoiler, because he's all over everything. I've even put, like, Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin just feels so good in a way that it did not feel that way in um in Hawkeye. Um this I love him. What a casting. What a casting and there's there's a few moments early on in this episode where he just shows up and like basically he's shown up Echo Echo is in trouble. It's early on in her like you know rebellious stage and some cops have her like pinned against the wall and then you just see and hear and like a one cop like hey you can't be here and you, they still haven't totally revealed to me i had another couple like stop stop like pulling him back and just by the time he gets there like he's just commanding the entire scene and it it is it is amazing um i really liked the fight choreography um i think some of what they are doing with the fact that echo this um this death and um uh limb difference character uh is is very cool um is very impressive and is very just um they, they were doing some things and doing really well this pilot looked pricey um in a way that some of the other disney plus shows have not always felt um like there's a lot of attention taken to detail um and on that same note when echo got added yesterday on disney plus in the mcu timeline uh several other things were added to the timeline as well including daredevil jessica jones iron fist luke cage and defenders and punisher in timeline order um saying where it thinks if you want to do a chronological watch of the marvel movies where you should place these and this is the first time that that has happened this is the first time that these shows have been acknowledged that way um and it feels when watching um this show not that it expects you to have seen daredevil but it's there's nothing that broke anything that's already been established by those three seasons which just makes me very excited for for what could it makes me more excited for the daredevil show than i have been watching the first episode of this show that's cool because um, it was it was bloody there was some attention to some fight scenes that seemed very directly homaging um, some hallway fight scenes from Daredevil and it knows it. And so I, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I'm excited to keep watching, but it, you know, yesterday ended up being a much more <laughs> Marvel focused day off than I intended to. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that makes me really excited to check it out because I mean, I think a lot of people, love those shows and just want them to be acknowledged yeah you know these these pieces of media that we just love to watch like oh my god daredevil season three was coming out and you and i couldn't shut up about it for months you know and it took you months to watch it that um, is you took your like first day off to go watch that show that sounds right yeah um, i actually feel like I'm i'm feeling a little sick how convenient the same night daredevil drops i remember well, honestly knowing my track record i probably was sick you probably were um, yeah but man like 
we love those shows. Yeah. And for a long time, it it felt like those were going to kind of be, oh, that was that was then or that was a little bit separate from what we're doing now. But to see those shows acknowledged, I think, feels really good, yeah, you know, really in the does. same way that everyone lost their marbles while watching No Way Home and seeing the the other Spider-Man that we loved so much come back like people want the stuff that they love to be acknowledged you know um, and i think that it's cool that these shows are being you know i really do fun. love how you just reference no way home though and you only reference the spider-man showing up and not daredevil showing up in there which is where i thought you were going to say like i loved being that acknowledged um well i mean yeah but like you know spider-man the original spider-man came out in 2002 yeah so, you know, 20 years later, seeing, you know, if you were eight years old watching that movie, you know, and now you're 38 years old, you're stoked that your Spider-Man is now back yeah. and cared about and, you know, not left behind by a whole new generation of whatever. Um, We can talk about the corporate synergy complications of that as it relates to the Marvel in this next fave at some other point. but um. I did try to tell Leslie the other day. I was like, oh man, like, do you remember when I forgot what we were talking about? Like, remember when Daredevil showed up in No Way Home? She's like, what are you talking about? And that's like, no, like, he catches the brick and they ask how he did that. He's like, I'm a really good lawyer. It was amazing. She's like, mm, I don't think that happened. So, Needless I mean, say, in her she defense, enjoyed Echo as that well. That scene is a whole two minutes long or something. And in amazing. The, of the movie, you know, it's the best part um i mean i don't dispute that i'm just saying for like your average movie watcher you know that's a two minute scene in a two and a half hour movie gosh um father murdoch is gonna show up in a what if episode now that'd be cool i wouldn't mind that he's gonna pray with a gore the god butcher you're going into territory that i don't want to go into um, yeah, we've had a really good talk and I don't want to ruin it. Um, Riley, any closing thoughts? We just, we ate good yesterday, dude. We ate really well. So much so that we definitely like, I feel like we're having leftovers right now as we get to talk about it. Yeah. But if you're, if you're out there and you don't know that ultimate Spider-Man is getting a new start, this is a really, really special issue and it's going to be a really great run, I think. So if you're looking to jump onto something. Call yep. your local comic shop and tell them to order more copies because I'm sure they're probably sold out. I think so. Um, well, cool. On that note, we'll be back soon. Uh, read comics. Read comics, man. Mm-hmm.